worship you right now.
declare that you are the great I am. You are the Lord of glory. You are the great I am. We worship and we exalt you. We glorify your name. We lift you up, O oh God. We crown you King of kings and Lord of lords. We crown you great I am. Father, we declare, O oh God, we cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God we bring into captivity every thought and every plan of the evil one we declare that this is the day that you have made we will rejoice and we will be glad in it father we declare an open heaven over this house and over the lives of your people a place oh god where you speak a place where where your heart is revealed oh god where your thoughts are being revealed oh god this place oh god where we come and we submit to you we surrender we surrender to you oh lord our maker, our redeemer, our righteousness. We surrender to you, Lord. We surrender all honor and all glory and all power and all praise. Belongs to our God. All honor and all praise and all glory belongs to our God. We honor him. We honor him. He is worthy to be praised. We honor him. He is worthy to be praised.
said, if you be lifted up, you will draw all men to yourself. So tonight, Lord, this is our desire to begin to lift you up, O oh God, that you will begin to draw, draw men and women to you, draw sons and daughters to you, draw people to you in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's worship him right there where you are right now. Bless him with a song, bless him with a psalm, bless him with a spiritual hymn. Let's begin to bless him with a tongue. Just lift up your voice and let's begin. It's your time just to engage with the Father, just to create an atmosphere in your life. Say, Lord, I am available, I'm pliable, I, I'm receptive, I'm available to you, oh God. Have your way in me, Lord, have your way. Father, we honor you. Father, we glorify your name. Father, we thank you that every time we gather, you are here. You dwell in the midst of the praises of your people. Yes, my God. It is our desire today, tonight, to build you a throne. Yes, Lord. Oh God, in our worship, in our praise, a place where you would sit, oh God, a place where you would execute, oh God, the plans and your purposes and your will for our lives. Father, we surrender all that we are and all that we have to you. We heal to you completely. And we say, Father, this have your way. Have your way, have your way, have your way. Ramanda, Rebeko Shalande, Lebe, Ramanda, Labo, Sete, Lebe, Lebe, make a joyful noise unto God, holy people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. He gives us the victory. Shamande, Lete, Lebasata. We honor you, Lord, and we bless you honor you and we bless you in this place so father tonight we posture our hearts and our lives to hear what you are saying and so we healed to who you are we healed to what you are doing we healed to the plans and the purposes of God and so today, you God, we bring Bishop Merritt to you, even as he would share that which you have placed in his heart. Father, I pray today, we say, speak to us, for we, your servants here. Thank you, you have already placed your hand upon your son. And so we pray that in this atmosphere, let the oil of God that is upon his life begin to flow in this place father i pray today that even as he shares let there just be an unction of the holy spirit like he's never experienced before father i pray today let our eyes be open oh god that we believe that we we believe like the men and the women on, on the road to Emmaus that says, didn't our hearts burn, but burn within us as we heard the word of truth. And so today, let there be a burning 
Father, as Jeremiah says, it's like fire that is locked up in our bones. Father, we believe in you, O oh God, for there will just be an impartation, O oh God, that will take place in this place. And we pray today that when we leave here, we would leave here full, O oh God, full, O oh God, activated, stirred up, O oh God, set on fire. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen and Amen, 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 Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. Amen, Amen, Amen. Thanks to the worship team. Amen. Amen. Tonight we want to try and give as much time to Bishop Mera to, to execute what God has placed in his heart to share with us. Amen. And uh, he did a fantastic piece of work on Sunday, and he laid a foundation and uh, asked him to continue with it. Uh, we were supposed to be in, in, in another church today, but it didn't work out, but it worked out for us. Amen. 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 And so we have the opportunity to hear the word of the Lord again and just be encouraged and stirred up in the word. Amen. Now, uh, I didn't get the opportunity of really... Uh, introducing uh, Bishop Merritt to all of you, and uh, Bishop Merritt is no stranger to us. Uh, he's come a few times already to us, but he's an excellent teacher of the Word. He's an excellent preacher of the Word, and God uses him really phenomenally. He really is a man of great stature in the kingdom. Uh, he has many, many portfolios where he really executes. He's, he oversees uh, quite a few hundred churches, and he's part of an organization where he is the first assistant to the, to, to the presiding bishop. And so he really is a man that is much in demand, but we want to draw as much as we can from him. Amen? It took me a while to try and convince him to come back. Amen? Uh, and and his, sh his schedule always didn't allow it. So I kept talking from last year to this year to try and get his schedule right amen but we are fortunate that he is here and so we're gonna trust god that he will speak to us so bishop thank you for for coming and gracing us and making the sacrifice to come this far amen paying your own cost amen we didn't bring you in we amen but we're praying that the day will come when we can do that but right now we just thank you for making the sacrifice just being here and we just receiving what the lord has placed on your heart Amen. Bless us. Amen. Praise God, everybody. Do me a favor. If you don't mind, just praise God with your hands. If you all don't mind, I'm going to work from right here. Maybe, maybe can I use that? Get this a little higher. That works for me. I want to give honor to God, who is ahead of my life. And I guess uh, in my theological bent, I want to acknowledge God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, they are one, but they have distinct purposes in our lives. And so I acknowledge the Trinity.
And I also acknowledge the, the angel of his house, my friend, my brother in Christ, who I believe uh, God has ordained us to, to labor together. Um, he is a serious giant in the gospel, and I believe that the best is yet to be seen as to what he's going to do for the kingdom of God. You all don't know like God knows what he's going to do with him. And you know what? I, being here without my wife, I realize that um, the wives are very, very important to your ministry. So I acknowledge my sister, my baby sister, Annie. God bless you. Let's praise God for both the man of the house and his wife. What if we did that a little bit better than we just did? Let's praise, actual praise God. <laughs> As they, I, I, I was told once that it's a poor junkyard dog that won't bark in his own yard. So you got to make some noise when we talk about your folk. And, of course, my nephew. I, I've made myself blood with these folks. So my brother, sister, my nephew, they've been feeding me. If I look like I'm fatter by the time I leave, it's their fault. It's their fault. So here's what I'm going to do today. I want to try and get back into where we were Sunday. I did, a, I did an information download. And um, sometimes you can catch it and sometimes you can't. According to Jesus' teachings, Typically, only 25% of the people are going to receive what God has for them because something will block what's happening. My prayer is that you're not blocked at all tonight. With that, let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this moment. We ask now that you use me for your purpose. I don't want anything that I say or do to get in the way of you. So, Lord, hide me behind the cross so that as agile people look, they will see only Jesus. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. You're my strength and redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to review Sunday. We'll go ahead and go to that first slide. I'm going to review Sunday, uh, and I want you to keep your eyes on this slide as we take a look at the Scripture passage. I want to bring it back to your remembrance for the sake of laying a foundation, uh, and that's going to be Mark chapter 9, verse 25 through 29, and I'll read that to your hearing. Mark chapter 9, verse 25 through 29. Here's why I'm on the floor. I'm on the floor so that we'll have a different feel. I don't want it to be a lecture. Um, I know that there may be language barriers because my accent's a little bit different from yours. So if you have questions, you can raise your hand and, and ask, ask that question in that very moment. The truth is, whatever question you have, someone else has. They're just not yet bold enough to ask it. So let the bold folk ask questions tonight so that we can get better understanding. I'm going to read from the Amplified Version. So you read what you have. We read together. We'll get greater understanding. Some Bibles are designed for interpretation. Some are designed for elaboration. And so either one, if you're reading a, a literal interpretational Bible like the King James Version, it still will connect with what we're reading tonight. So let's read together verse 25. But when Jesus noticed that a crowd of people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you dumb and deaf spirit, I charge you to come out of him and never go into him again. And after giving a hoarse, clamoring, fear-stricken uh, shriek and of anguish and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy laid pale and motionless like a corpse, so that many of them said he's dead. But Jesus took a strong grip 
of his hand and began lifting him up and he stood and when he had gone indoors when he had gone indoors when he jesus had gone indoors his disciples asked him privately why could not we drive it out why could not we drive it out this is where i want to just stand still for a moment because we're talking about the gap in the disciples of christ why are we not doing some of the things that we are actually capable of doing and I believe that it is tied to our worship. I believe firmly it is tied to our worship. So in being, uh, if you want to understand uh, the, 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 the negative side of why we are failing in worship, it's because we are a fallen people. The world is a fallen world. And as a result, only through Christ can we restore our true identities. Now, the Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth will give you liberation. And so as I get a truth of who I really am, I then can worship God in reality. Jesus said to the Seraphonician woman, they that worship must, he didn't say could or should. He said that it was a command. You absolutely must worship in what state? So we remember spirit and in truth. Truth is knowing who you are, knowing why you were created, knowing what the order is of your creation so that you can walk out purpose for God. When we are in truth, we are always aligning ourselves to what God is saying in the, in the very moment. When we are in truth, we hear from God. Everything we do is a direct command from God. And so we start with, when we look at what Jesus said in the passage, and I want to try to review very quickly so that we can rebuild on those last few things that we were trying to say. Did I, did I forget to tell you all everything Sunday? And so I'm going to try and tell you everything Sunday. I'm just checking to see if you're going to talk to me because nobody's talking. Uh, I'm Baptist, so um, you have to talk back to me. Okay, okay, good, good. They got it. <laughs> Notice when Jesus spoke to the, uh, to the disciples, when he came out of Mount Transfiguration, the first thing he said, you perverted generation. And that word came from the Greek word diastropho. Say that. Diastropho. You can roll the R. I know you can. I heard you talk. Say it. Diastropho. Now, the word diastropho in the Greek, is, it means rebellious, twisted, perverted, fleshly, or carnal. The reason we need all those words is because there are many, many facets of this pervertedness. It means that we are out of order. We are living according to the flesh when we were created to live according to the spirit. So Galatians talks about this war that's going on between the spirit and the flesh. And the reality is even believers are struggling in this war. How many times have you gone and done something and uh, felt bad about it and the spirit just kept irritating you about what you did? You told someone off and the spirit said, go and get that right. You had a bad thought and the spirit said, go and fix that. And here it is, whenever we are truly born of Christ and the spirit, we're always going to have that friction because God is making us back in order. And so when, whenever we are in Christ, we're being recreated into the image of his son, which means that we're slowly getting out of what we have been to what we need to become. 
And it's not something that we will get to, it's something that we're continuously stretching towards. And the thing that we have in the church today, and this is why I'm so troubled, Pastor, we have spiritual complacency. Where when we accomplish certain things in the spirit, we become complacent and we sit right there. The problem is when it comes to the things of the spirit, the spirit is described as out of your bellies will flow. So this, if you're living according to the spirit, you're always moving. You're never stagnant. It is a flowing progression. Say progression. So I have to make sure that I am living according to the spirit. I'm always moving from where I am. I'm not content with my spirituality. Paul did it this way. And I, I got to remind you. He said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to forget those things that are behind. And I'm going to stretch. Y'all help me. I'm going to stretch toward the mark of the prize of the high call in Christ Jesus. So my lifestyle now is a constant stretching. I want to get rid of something. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I do. But I'm not content with getting rid of that. Now I'm looking for something else to get rid of. Here's what I didn't get to tell you Sunday. When we are in worship, when you actually make that progression, the visitation of God is something that reveals something to you. Here's what happened. Isaiah said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Now here is what happens every time you see God. You see his righteousness and you have to acknowledge your unrighteousness. If you ever get into the presence of God and you don't see your unrighteousness, you were not in the presence of God. His righteousness immediately reveals your unrighteousness. And so when Isaiah got into the presence of God, he said, woe is me for I am undone. This is how I know that I'm truly in worship. I immediately get to a place where I need to ask God for forgiveness if I'm truly in worship. So let's see if I can go ahead and finish. I was trying to lay a foundation. We talked about being in Christ. We go to the next slide and the next slide. And we said on Sunday, next slide, that if I want to intensify my worship, what happens in worship? I see myself and I see God. If I want to intensify my worship, I got to understand the order of worship, with it, which is a progression. Enter into his gates with what? And into his courts with what? We found out Sunday that there are many dimensions to both entities, right? And then the third level is a knowing. This is worship. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. This is appealing off of your consciousness, your ideology, into his courts with praise. This is where I am building a place for God's presence. And now I have to acknowledge God when I see him. Thanksgiving praise. God inhabits the praise of his people. Enter into his courts with thanksgiving. This is the peeling of the flesh, the, 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 the nullifying of the mind. And then I move to praise. When I get into praise, now I'm creating a house for the Lord. If my praises are pure, if my praises are real, God moves in. And when I see God, I see myself. I'm walking this a little bit slower than Sunday. I see God, then I see myself. And if I see God and I see myself, something in me ought to recognize the unrighteousness of me. And when I recognize the unrighteousness of me, the biblical response to knowing that I'm not righteous is to repent. 
The Bible says, if I confess my sins, God is faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. This is, given, this is proven when Isaiah is before God. He said, woe is me, for I am undone, and I dwell among unclean people. And immediately, a seraphim pulls a coal from the altar and brings it and places it on his lips. What was his confession? I'm a man of what? And the coal was placed on his. He confessed what? I'm a man of. Uh, and the coal was placed on his. Fire is always a symbol of purification. He, he confessed that I am a man of unclean mouth. And the coal was placed on his mouth. And watch this. He was purged from what was there. Why? Because of confession. If the church is going to be in order, every time we come together, there ought to be a confession. If true worship has happened. And so we got a, we got a progression that we must take. Now this progression, looking at it a little bit further, go to the next slide. It, first, I got to understand that I am a temple. The Bible says, know ye not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost and the Spirit of God dwells in you? This is reviewing. Let's go, go, let's go to the next slide so we can see it. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. I got to know that I am God's house. And so if I know that I'm the temple, if I know that I'm temple of God, then I got to know that there's a progression through me. And so if the order of progression in the Old Testament, which is a shadow of what is real, if the order in the Old Testament was a progression up a hill, through the gates, through the, the, the temple, into the holy place, and that there were certain things that had to happen in order for people to get there. So the people of the flesh, go backwards one slide. The people of the flesh, go back one slide, there you go. The people of the flesh could only go into the outer court. The, the Gentiles. This is an image of our, our being. The Gentiles represent the flesh. But the people of God represents the mind of God. They carry the knowledge of God. Those were the ones who were allowed to go into the gate, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And so now we're looking at an image of the flesh, and now we're seeing that there's a mind all created throughout the Old Testament in order to create a pathway for man to be restored from the fall of Adam. It took generations for, we, for us to get this imagery. Generations. So we start with, a, if I was, I wish I had time, I could break down the generation of developing the altar that helps us to understand that to get to regain our, our identity, there has to be a sacrifice. But then the generation of creating the tabernacle where we know who we are and how we are and what progression, that, what progression needs to happen in order for it to get back to our identity. So the moment we were out, the moment we fell in sin, we were out of order. We were people living by the flesh. And there has to be a progression to the spirit to get back in order. All right. And so the, the imagery you see here is flesh, Gentiles, in a court, mind, holies of holy, spirit. To get to the holies of holies, the high priest, they put a bell on his leg and he would have to lay down, get low. If my knees were feeling good today, I'd show you. But I don't have good knees today because of him. <laughs> but he'd have to lay down and go under the veil in order to get to the holy place, which is a symbol that we cannot get to the holies of holies, to the spirit, without laying down the flesh. 
And so much imagery is here that is mind-boggling. We have praise and worship, praise team in the front, and the congregation uh, on the other side, which is a symbol of the seraphims at the mercy seat, praising God, facing each other, creating mercy in the center. It's an image of that. The preaching moment where you sit in the congregation, the preacher stands in front of you declaring the word of God. You come in agreement with it is creating praise to God, but creates also the mercy seat. It's all imagery and you have to start seeing that. Now your progression can also create the mercy seat when you know how to get to spirit. Because watch this, there's something bigger happening when you get to spirit. The Holy Spirit quickens the Spirit of God in you. And there's an interaction between the Holy Spirit and your spirit that creates a mercy seat. Y'all missing it. I have the power to create God's presence and his mercy. If I had time, I explained to you the concept of creating the glory of God. Because everything in the earth is under man's authority, including the glory of God. It must be created. That's a biblical concept. We have to create his glory. We have to create his glory by accessing his presence right here on earth. We have to come in agreement with his presence. So I don't get lost. Let me keep going. I don't want to lose you because I need to get to the next thing. Go to the next slide and then the next slide. So here's the imagery of what I just talked about. We talked about this on Sunday, the progression, out of flesh, out of court flesh, in a court mind, holies of holy spirit. The trichotomy of our being. Our goal is to always get to the spirit. We do everything in spirit. We forget about our bodies and we make sure we live by our what? There you go. Thank you, pastor. We get out of our bodies and we respond by our what? There you go. We create the mercy seat. We get out of our bodies and we respond by what? If I am mad at you because of what you did... I'm having an out-of-court experience, and I'm a Gentile in that moment, and I cannot get into the temple. But if I lay down my feelings, first my body and then my mind, and turn completely to the word of God to respond to you by spirit, y'all getting it, aren't you? All right, so keeping in mind, we talked on Sunday about how, what those steps are, the, the sub-steps in these three steps, these four phases. Because the fourth phase that I have not mentioned to you is where miracles happen. But that starts out with the outer courts, enter into his gates. Go to the next slide. And re, I, I've got to remind you, we had two words that we learned on Sunday. And the first word was toda. The second word was yada. Toda is sacrificial thanksgiving. How many of you feel like thanking God tonight? Some of us do, but some of us are sitting here thinking, if, uh, if I could just make it the next 30 minutes without falling asleep, I'll be okay. And so the sacrifice of, of, of giving God thanksgiving is where I forget about myself and I start to acknowledge God. Here's what I can't do when I'm thinking about what God has done for me. I cannot complain. I cannot worry. I cannot be stressed because I'm too busy reflecting. Our minds are not designed to do multiple things at the same time, whether you think you can or not. Because if you're texting and driving, you text and then you start driving. And then you text again and you start driving. You're not doing two things at one time. You're going back and forth. So in the same sense, if I am focusing on what God did for me and I'm thanking him, I lose everything else that I'm worried about. 
And so now if I keep a strong focus on thanking God, it starts out as a sacrificial thanks, but then it becomes me recognizing that although this is mine, don't worry about it, although I am thanking God right now and I am making a sacrifice of thanking God, I realize I don't deserve what God is doing for me. This is where I'm moving from Torah to Yada. Yada is where I extend my hands as a surrendering and an acknowledgement that I don't deserve anything that God is doing for me. And so when I get to that point, it shifts fairly quickly into hallelujah. Have you all ever done it before where you start out with I don't deserve hallelujah? It just happens naturally. You ever notice that? Hallelujah. Hallel is praising God with adoration. I'm adoring him. And then I go from adoring God to recognizing that I have victory that I didn't even have to solidify. That's where I moved to Shabbat. I praise God because of victory. Shabbat. That's why we got to have noisy churches in praise and worship. Quiet churches. It's not biblical. Noisy churches are. A disruptive sound during praise and worship. Folk need to come in and be irritated with the noise. Okay, we'll talk about that next week. It goes from Shabbat. Now, this is all, all of what I'm saying precedes praise and worship. Now, once I get to Shabbatting the Lord with the victorious sound, I move to singing with accompaniment. This is now, we're now in praise and worship. So before we get to praise and worship, we should have progressed at least four stages. And so we are no longer in the flesh when we have progressed to singing. We're now at the precipice of going from flesh to spirit or mind to spirit. And at this point, there's a shifting in Zamar. Zamar is making music with accompaniment. When I go Zamar, when I start to sing, there should be a shifting where I'm abandoning my whole identity and giving it over to the Lord. And God now moves me into a Barak. This is worship. Now, if you look at Jewish tradition, you'll see Jews standing at the wall doing like this. This is one of the things that they consider Barak. But Barak is to bless God. It, the literal meaning of Barak is to throw a stone. It is, in a sense, I'm throwing blessings at God. And from that point, it moves to Tehillah. Now, this is not a natural thing. Tehillah is where you stop worshiping God and God starts worshiping himself through you. When the spirit takes over, it's no longer you, it's God. And God will worship himself. This is why Jesus said, they that worship must worship in spirit and in truth. <clears throat> now here's the reality. I gave you this just from the perspective of praise and worship. But that is foundational in understanding that everything I do for God must be done with a progression. If I'm going to be an usher, I need to make a progression to be an usher. If I'm going to teach, I need to make a progression to teach. If I'm going to serve the community, I must make a progression to serve the community. If I'm going to have fellowship with the believers, I need to make a progression to have fellowship with the believers. And when this happens, there is a unity in the church that creates a place where God will command blessings in the atmosphere. Y'all getting this yet? Any questions yet? Praise God. Good. Good. All right. So go to the next slide. And so one of the things that I needed you to know, based on the text that we dealt with, I needed to give you foundational things, is that just like in the passage, 
that you have a, a three different you have three different folk that are dealing with the passage here. You have the religious community who are just fighting because things aren't happening. Then you have the disciples who are quitting because things didn't happen. And then you have the father who has given up, not necessarily quitting. He's just given up. He believes that God can do something, but he don't believe God is going to do it for him. And so this is why he talks to Jesus and says, I believe, I know God can do anything, but Lord, help my unbelief. And in that, he's abandoning his doubt so that he can move from his faith to God's faith. In the reality, all of us got to move from our faith to God's faith. What does God's faith look like? Can these bones live? Lord, you know. And what he did in that moment was submit so much to God that all he would do is whatever God says, not knowing what the results would be. He said, prophesy to these bones. And in his prophesying to the bones, things start happening. And the reality is all of us got the ability to surrender to God, to move from our faith to God's faith, to faith in God, to the faith of God. We all have that ability, but the question is, do we operate in it? Here it is. My faith will limit God, but the faith of God is my surrendering every thought to him so that whatever he wants to do is going to be done. I'm surprised at what happens when I surrender my, my faith to him because I don't look at it from the perspective of what I think he can do. I look at it from the perspective of whatever you want to do, Lord, go ahead and do it. The reason God called me to this church for this season on this night was to tell you that God wants to do something in you that's beyond your imagination. And the only way you can get there is to abandon your faith. You got to believe that God can, but not limit God based on what he can do. You got to say, God, I trust you so much and whatever you want to do, I'm going to do it. Now, it's going to cost you. But... The return on investment will blow your mind. I've never been lost from trusting God. Can I be transparent and tell the story? I'm just not going to finish again. I, I was called to Pioneer Church. I had to pay, we had to pay, uh, uh, I think somewhere, well, the actual building was $7,500 a month before you pay utilities. I think our actual cost monthly for this building was somewhere in the neighborhood of $20,000 when you look at payroll. $20,000 a month. $20,000 a month. What is that in randification? $360,000. $360,000 rand a month is what I had to pay. But I also needed to raise the money to renovate the building. The money that was coming in barely paid the bills that we had. We got kicked out of the building that we were in, and I didn't know what was going to happen. God put my back against the wall to the point where I, was just, I could just turn to him and trust him. I was walking through the building singing this song. Sooner or later... It'll turn in my favor. It's turning around for me. That's what I was saying. That's I was crying. I was crying because I wanted to quit. But the Holy Spirit said, trust me. And I would walk through that building singing that song, not knowing what God was going to do. One day the Lord said, get up. And I got up. He said, go downtown. I went downtown. He said, turn right here. I turned right there. He said, go in there. I went in there. And he said, tell the story. 
I said, what story? He said, tell them what's happening. And I went into the place and told them what was happening. And he, the guy responded, well, the problem is you dealt with a contractor that couldn't handle the project. And so he said, just let me, we'll come look at you and take a look at what's going on. He came and they finished our project. This was about $160,000 worth of renovation. I had no money to pay this man. He took care of everything. And he said, Pastor, just pay us when you can. Do you know how long it took me to pay that man? It took me two years to pay him back. Not in payments because I had nothing coming in to pay him. I just had to wait until the money came. Sooner or later, <laughs> it'll turn in my favor. Y'all getting this? I had to trust God, but right now we are debt free. There, there's no debt going on with our ministry. We're, not only are we debt free, not only are we debt free, but we are also uh, sitting about $150,000 in the surplus. And our goal is to be at least $250,000 in surplus by the end of this year. Surplus. And the reason we're going to be there is because I'm trusting God. Now watch this. The surplus isn't surplus to me. Because I already know that God is calling us to a $2.5 million project. Do we have the money? Do we have faith? Yes. Do we have enough faith? I don't know if I have enough. Here's what I know. I know that I can surrender myself from my faith to just faith in God to tap into the faith of God where supernatural things will happen even though I don't know how. I'm simply going to trust God and whatever he says, I'm going to step into it. Now, how many of you here at Potter's house are, is ready? How many of you are ready to start trusting God to the degree where you will step regardless of what you see? Faith is not knowing what's going to happen. It's trusting God without knowing. Faith is not seeing the way. It is trusting God's way. And God is calling Potter's house to a place where you've got to worship him in spirit. Because he wants to do something bigger than you've ever seen. But in order to get there, you're going to have to learn to trust God. You're going to have to follow things that you have not followed in the past. You're going to have to do things that don't make sense to your logic. You're going to have to move into a direction that activates the faith of God. Can I tell you what the faith of God looks like? Let there be light. The logic don't line up. Light just showed up. Let the vegetation, let, let the ground release the vegetation. That's something powerful, Pastor. When God wants to see something, he speaks to what holds it. Ground, release vegetation. Water, produce beast. <laughs> man, have authority. And the problem with man is we don't know who we are, so we don't operate in that authority. All right, I'm getting off course. So here's what they, they're, they're, they were dealing with, and here's what you're dealing with. They were dealing with Yenos. They were dealing with Diastropho, and they were dealing with the limited trust in God. And that's what we deal with in the church today. We deal with Yenos. We don't know what kind of demonic activity we're dealing with. We're too busy having church and not being church. 
We're not being the assembly. I told you Sunday that the assembly is a Greek term where we come together. It's a Greek assembly. It is like the senators coming together to make laws in order to go out and do things, to control the community. That's what the church is. We come in to learn the laws and rules of God to, in order to go out and make the kingdoms of this world the kingdoms of our God. That's what we're called. That's what this is about. It is not about just shouting and kicking chairs. It's about you being empowered to go out and make a difference. So you got to know what you're dealing with in this community. You got to know what's going on in the city. And you got to know that God has called you with, with authority to do something you can't even explain. Now, when I know that. Now I'm open to the Holy Spirit activating me. Now, there are many activation points because there are a number of people here. Many of you are called to be activated to do something that you cannot explain. But it's still aligned with the central vision of this house. Here's how you know it's not of God. If you're in this house and what you're trying to do has nothing to do with how this house speaks. The vision of this house, whatever the vision of this house is, that's what you are called to fulfill. And if what you do on the outside does not match what we're called to do on the inside, you are not doing a thing of God because God is not divided. He wouldn't call you to a house and then have you operate against the house. He wouldn't call you to the house and have you do your own thing. I think God is calling me to something. No, he, he didn't. He called you to the house. And that's why Jesus had to pray. Can I, I'm so far off. Pastor, I'm just off. I'm supposed to follow my notes, but I'm off. And so the thing that we got to learn to do is just trust in the Lord with all our heart. Lean not to our own understanding. Y'all mute your phone. In all of your ways, acknowledge God so that he can direct your path. Trust in the Lord with how much of your heart? This is where the problem is. There's not enough heart in God. For what God is calling you to do, I know for a fact that I'm, I'm here on divine assignment. That's why I had no problem paying my way. He didn't have to beg because I knew I was supposed to be here. I'm here to tell you, you are being called to a higher level of trusting God. What you've done is good, but it's not the end. It's a step. The next thing is going to require a higher level of trust. The next thing will require a higher level of trust. The next thing will require a higher level of trust with all of my heart. And leaning not to my own understanding, which means it means that I got to completely abandon the way I think. Why is that important? Because as high as the heavens are from the earth, so are our ways from God's ways, our thoughts from his thoughts. So in order for me to tap into God, I got to abandon my thinking. I don't know, Lord. You know. Somebody say, I don't know. This is the Ezekiel principle that we have to embody for what God is calling us to next. And so, next slide. How much, how much time I got? Uh, am, I, am I okay? Okay, so one of the first things I said uh, that the beginning of this is accepting Jesus as a redeemer. And also uh, accept a lifestyle of sacrificial intensified worship where I'm consistently and continuously making a progression to get out of my thinking in order to activate what God is saying. 
I got to always make the progression. When you think you know, you don't. When I know what I'm preaching, I don't know how I'm preaching it because I don't know until I get in the place. That's why I have to stay in a place of leaning toward God no matter what. If you're called to ministry, you ought to be in that place where you may know what you're supposed to do, but you just don't know every single detail because you got to trust God. God is God blows my mind because he don't give me all the details. He gives me what I need in the moment that I need it so that I will keep leaning toward him. Not know me, pastor. If he gave me everything, I'd figure it out. I'd do it my way. Anybody else like me? Okay, so I've got to embrace the authority of, uh, in Jesus Christ over the power and authority of this world in order to have power and authority of this world. The concept here is if my people who call by my name will limit themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from the wicked ways, then they will hear from heaven and heal the land. Then will I hear from heaven and heal the land. Four concepts here, humility, communication, a craving, and repentance. Those four things are right there in that text. If I'm humble enough... To communicate with God. Humility is things like fasting, resting in that you are not qualified. If I humble myself, talk to God, have a craving, seek his face. And here's the truth. Most of us, we don't seek God's face. We seek his hand. We want something from God, but we don't want to know God intimately. The seeking of God's face is where I'm seeking what he desires for me not what I desire from him. And then the third thing, repentance. I've got to say, Lord, I'm sorry. I know I'm not there yet. I'm sorry. That has to be a lifestyle for me, a lifestyle for me. Humility, communication, craving, and repentance. Say that with me. Humility, communication, craving, and repentance. How many of you are married? Raise your hand. Oh, I got to get my nephew. How many of you are almost married? Raise your hand. <laughs> so here's something that I learned about marriage. If you don't communicate, the marriage is breaking down. So relationship requires communication. And how can we be in a relationship with our father, but we never talk to him? And when we do, we do drive by prayer. Lord, bless me. That's not communication. You ever uh, spoke with somebody and they got your attention and said, look at me? Why do you think they said that? They wanted to know for certain that they had your attention. I came by Potter's house to tell you for where you're going next, God is saying, look at me. God is saying, look at me, Potter's house. I'm telling you, you are going in a place that you've never been. You're going to accomplish things that you've never accomplished. It doesn't look like what you've seen. Look at me is what God is saying to you. Let's go to the next slide. Here's what I told you Sunday. And so the first step I've got to have is uh, faith. Say faith. faith. For faith, there are four phases. I've got to envision a clear-cut objective. I've got to have a burning desire. I've got to pray for assurance, and I've got to speak the word of that given assurance. Y'all remember that? And so what I didn't get to is the last thing that I'm going to talk about, which is speaking the word of the given assurance. I didn't get to that, okay? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to let Pastor look at this for a second so he'll know what I told you. You see it, Pastor? You see it? 
I will let Pastor look at this, envision a clear-cut objective. This is the concept where I am receiving from God. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Literally means that God will bring from on high a desire inside of you. And the desire is always at war with your flesh. Let me give you an example. Jonah, the Bible says the word of the Lord came to Jonah. The literal meaning of came to Jonah is that the word came up inside of him. God did not speak to him. The word came up inside of him. It was a desire that he did not want. But it was a desire that fulfilled the will of God. And so when the desire, when you delight yourself in God, God will pull a desire in you and you'll be troubled with that desire. Somebody said, yeah, I got that desire to preach and I'm troubled with it. That is how it feels when God puts that desire in you. Until you're fully surrendered, your flesh is always going to struggle with the desire that God puts in you for his purpose. And so we're going to keep going. Uh, I want to, I got to get to this and uh, uh, have a burning desire. Pray for assurance. Pray for assurance and then uh, uh, speak the word of giving assurance. I need to get to that because I need to help you to understand this power of speaking. It is not just speaking in general, but it's speaking what God has already spoken. If you look at Romans 10, 9, and 10, it tells you the concept of this speaking. That if thou confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus shall believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The word here is in the Greek, confess is the word homologial. Now here's what homologial means. Don't get caught up with the Greek. I'm just saying it so that you can hear the greater meaning. Homologial means to speak what has been spoken, but it has a deeper meaning. It's not just speak what has been spoken. I got to speak what God spoke, but not from the perspective of God said it. It's from a perspective of identity. I have to identify with what God said from the perspective that what he said was literally about me. So when I speak of it, I speak of it as if it is me. So I speak of myself from a perspective that I now identify myself as the word of God. Now I have become so much one that when I hear God said I am the head, I no longer declare I'm the head from the perspective of someone saying I'm the head. I say I'm the head because I know I'm the head. It doesn't matter what position I'm in. I know I'm in headship. If I say I'm above because the word says it, I know I'm above. If I say I'm the lender, I could be in debt to my neck, but I know I am the lender and things start changing just because I know who I am. Because when I know, my behavior changes. Y'all ain't with me yet. So when I speak homologially, here's what I'm doing. I tell you what, go, keep going until I tell you stop. Next slide, next slide, next slide, next slide, next slide. Next slide, next slide, next slide, next slide. There we go. When I speak homologial, here's what's happening. I declare God's word in faith. This is the faith that gives me a legal right. The Bible says in, 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 in Hebrew 11, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The word substance is a Greek word, uh, hypostasis. And the best translation of hypostasis is legal right or title deed. Now, faith is the title deed 
of things hoped for. What do I hope for? I hope for what God said. So faith is my legal right to whatever God said. Say that with me. Faith is my legal right to what God said. The other way to see this is that faith is divine currency. I pay for what God has in his store, which is the word. I pay for it by faith. When I believe that God says something about me and I fulfill the criteria, I can now expect it by faith because I've paid for it with faith. Faith gives me a legal right. I don't have to bargain with it. I don't have to straddle the fence. I don't have to wonder about it. I know even though I don't see it because it's in the word. And so now when I declare God's word in faith, I become one with what is spoken. Because there's a point where even though I don't see it, it's still me. This is that next phase of speaking homologally. And then the third part is I enter into the finished work of God, realigning myself with the original intent of God for mankind and, uh, and specifically for our lives. I start operating in my original state, how God designed me. No longer am I operating by my brokenness, my flesh. I'm operating by spirit. I should have told y'all that Sunday, shouldn't I have? <laughs> or go to the next slide. How much time do I have? Ten minutes. Okay, good. I can knock it out in ten minutes. The next thing I got to do, I got to have faith in God's possibilities. Say have faith, have faith in God's possibilities. The next thing I got to do is accept everything from God through the finished work of Jesus Christ. I accept things from God from the finished work of Jesus Christ. What I, I got to realize is that everything that God promised me was a transaction on the cross. When Jesus said teleos, he said basically paid in full. And so now when I access prophecy, it is from the cross. When I access authority, it is from the cross. When I access salvation, it is from the cross. Because I believe that he died. I believe that he rose again. The transaction was paid. So now I have to start seeing everything from the cross. So when I see everything from the cross, I now have access to the things that God said it is paid for. No one can convince me that I'm a sinner because my sin has been paid for. No one can convince me I'm going to hell because my salvation has been paid for. Now, I might be messed up from now and then. I mean, I might get irritated, but that stuff is being worked out of me because that, too, has been paid for. And I think that that's something that every believer got to start doing, looking at everything in their life from the cross. That's why it's good when we sing at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burdens of my heart rolled away. We believers have no reason walking with burdens because they have been taken away by the cross. And so I start looking at things from that perspective. Now, the problem with seeing it from the cross, next slide, is we like to hold on to things. Next slide. I think you're going too far. Go back. All right, next slide. All right, I didn't download that one. So y'all can't see what I see. We like to hold on to failure. We like to hold on to fear. And we like to hold on to pain. 
All of this is happening in the passage. I wish I had time to dissect it that way. But failure is things didn't happen the way you thought it should have happened. But your mind wasn't conditioned for them to happen. Fear, thinking that things are never going to work out on your behalf. Or feeling like what has happened in the past is going to control your present. Pain. Pain causes us to go in sin and stay there. Because pain causes us to, to seek pleasure. Pleasure becomes sin and habitual sin. Then we have to repent. But if we've never gotten rid of the pain, then the strong man is still in our life. And so these things hold us hostage. In the passage, you're going to see that the disciples failed. And they completely walked in their failures. And Jesus said, you unbelievers, how long am I going to be with you? You look at the father, the father failure he taken his child to the disciples and they failed and now he had no hope how many times have you gone to someone for prayer and nothing happened and you lost hope our faith is not in people it's in God we never lose hope because it didn't happen with one interaction we have to keep our trust in God now how many of us are allowing pain to control us right now because I was hurt before at somebody else's church, I'm going to stay shielded even though I have the skills to move this church. Let me say that again because y'all missed that. Because I was hurt in another church and I have a skill set that will bless this church, but the pain from yesterday keeps me sitting in the pew instead of becoming active in the work of ministry. These things kept them from getting the possibilities. But thanks, thank God that Christ came because Christ was able to move them to a place of believing in the power of his hand. And in our case, the power of the cross. So accepting that power is leaning to the Lord regardless of what you see. We got to learn to let God's voice bridge the gap between our logic. That gap, our logic says it can't happen, but God's voice says it can. There's a gap. How many of you got logic controlling you right now? I'm going to stop right here. How many of you got logic controlling you right now for what God is doing with Potter's House International? Logic won't get you there. I want to try something. If you can, just stand to your feet. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to become thankful right now that God chose you in spite of you to be in this place, to do what he's going to do in this ministry. But I don't want you to think about anybody but you right now. And I want you to thank him for choosing you. You didn't qualify, and you never will, and he still chose you. Some of you got some secret sins going on right now. Nobody knows about it but you, yet God still called you. The Bible says while we were yet sinners, he died for us. I want you to become thankful. Just thank him right now. Thank him. I need you now to move from thanking him by thanking him and saying, Lord, I know I don't qualify. Oh, I know I don't qualify, but I am so thankful to you. I know I don't qualify, but I'm thankful. I'm thankful. 
Now I need you to see that you got victory in Christ. God loves you so much that he's faithful and just to forgive you from all of your shortcoming. Just give him a hallelujah because who cares for us that much where he don't consider how bad we are. He loves us in spite of us. Just say hallelujah. 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 Now I need you to see that you are victorious in spite of what people are saying about you. You have victory. People might remind you of who you were, but you are victorious through Jesus Christ. The cross gave you victory. Go ahead and Shabbat the Lord like you've got victory. You are more than a conqueror through Christ who strengthens us. I need you to start practicing this progression. Every time it's time to think about doing something for the Lord, when something goes into your heart and you feel unqualified, I want you to make the progression. He paid for you enough for you to give that progression to him. I'm speaking this word over this house. I speak unity over this house. I speak God's authority over this house. Ancestral chains are breaking right now. There's some stuff that you're still locked to, but not tonight. Tonight is being chopped. I hear chains dropping right now. And I'm seeing marriages become stronger because we need a model for this day and time. I'm seeing marriages become stronger. I want you to reject every thought that goes against that. Marriages are becoming stronger right now in this atmosphere, becoming stronger right now. And God is going to release purpose after purpose over the next three days. I want you to write down what God said, and I want you to give it to your pastor. And I want you to pray with your pastor directly. Send him a text or email, but I want you to write down what God is saying, because that's what's going to happen over the next three days. Say, I receive it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen.